Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which you've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal, and the supernatural quite natural. Once again, that's what we aim to do on this episode of The Secret Podcast. And I got to tell you, the synchronicities of things, the way information has been falling in my lap, memories have been popping up of things that I've read and studied, it all fits. And I want to expand a little bit on what I talked about last week with AI and immortality because I left out some important details, some important research to include the works of Carla Turner and some new stuff came out that just as wild and wacky as it sounds, I have to share it with you. It's, it's, I just spent a half hour going through everything again and I'm just amazed at how these things fit. Uh, once again, I feel like I'm nuts and I, I need you out there to uh, to ground me back down. And uh, let me tell you, it's been one of those weeks for me. It, it's just like I just feel like, <laughs> you know, I want to sit here and say I'm being attacked from all angles, man. And, and I know it's just the way life goes sometimes, but it's just been stressful. I, I'd say ever since uh, the Florida the shooting in Florida, you know, I've just had these anxiety. I don't want to say attacks, just high anxiety. Uh, and everything, not just based on school shootings and stuff, but that certainly adds to it. And uh, to top that off, uh, you know, my wife and my kids have had the flu over the last week, so I've been helping out, trying to take care of them, make sure they don't, you know, get any worse. And it's it's just been it's been a rough week on me here, so it really took its toll. And then was it Thursday, yesterday? Because today here we are on Friday, facing this crazy blizzard we have going on right now. But on Thursday, it was. Uh, just about the end of the school day, we got school 2.30, it was 1.30, and the fire alarm goes off. So I was like, all right, well, I didn't hear anything about a drill, but okay. So I had four students with me in my classroom, cautiously stand up, peek out in the hallway, listen for gunshots, listen for screams. I don't hear any of that. So we proceed with the rest of the group, like cattle moving down the hall, and an announcement comes over. I could barely hear it, but what the announcement said was, was attention students and faculty. This was not a drill. Somebody pulled the alarm. Please continue to evacuate. Well, at that point, I, I went into total, you know, police mode, soldier mode, whatever you want to call it. Training kicked in. My anxiety spiked. I'm scanning the halls. I'm scanning everything. Uh, before I let my group go outside, I'm scanning the parking lot. There's cars everywhere, plenty of places for bad guys to hide. Uh, so I quick got us outside, and I pushed my group up against the cars. I said, look, I don't know what this is. Stand here against the cars. I didn't mention shooter because I didn't want to scare my kids or middle school kids. My thoughts were if I started hearing rounds popping off, we're going into those cars. So anyway, it, it ended up, I don't even know what the cause of it was. Um, you know, could have been an accident, could have been a technical glitch, could have been a kid pulling it to be a goofball. But fortunately, nobody got hurt. But I've, oh my gosh, I've been a wreck ever since then. Really, it was, um, 
really made you think. And all the teachers were looking around like, wow, this is just what happened in Florida. They pulled the alarm, get everybody outside, and then start shooting at them. So needless to say, um, you know, it just got me thinking like, what is this world? You know, what, where, what are we living in now that I have to worry about this, that I have to think about this at a school? <clears throat> so I'm not going to beat that up. I know there's been a lot more coverage on that on the news, but that kind of went through my head. Um, to counteract that, I, I did get in touch with, uh, they're called the Holistic Life Foundation. That's the organization out of Baltimore that created the program that incorporated meditation and mindfulness into the schools. So I'm waiting to hear back from the guy. Uh, I spoke with somebody briefly, but I'm trying to put together something similar. I'm trying to do my research now with uh, another colleague of mine. That's how I'm counteracting this stuff. We're at a point now where what good is this information? I've been thinking a lot about it. I've been doing this show for, I don't know, what, three years now. This is episode 134 of the Secret Podcast. Before that, I was doing the Change Cast. I did probably close to 100 episodes of that, trying to spread positive change. At, at what point do we stop talking and start doing? What good is the information that I'm sharing here on this show if we can't use it? Now, I know some of this stuff that I talk about is wild, but I, I truly believe that this information can be helpful. I believe that we can find a way to use it to better our futures. We, we have to because the path we're on right now, it worries me. And I'm afraid that in saying these things, I'm contributing to that narrative of fear because that narrative of fear is very powerful. And that narrative of fear, I believe, is being used to manipulate us to create the world that the fear is projecting. I know that sounds wild. I want to talk about that again uh, briefly in this show, how we are the creators, we are the tools being used. I know it sounds new agey, but I'm finding more and more testimony and evidence that uh, that may be the case, my friends. So uh, stay tuned as we move towards really dissecting this matrix that we live in. Let's talk about some things in the news. I want to direct you to SixthSenseMedia.net. That's our new website. It's up and running. It looks amazing. I absolutely love it. And Ray, once again, I don't even know how many articles he's putting out a day or a week. But listen, it can't just be on Ray and I. I need those of you out there who have ideas, who have things that you're thinking about, even if you've never done anything like this, but you're thinking about, hey, I have something to share, but I'm nervous to do it. Do it. If you want to be anonymous, be anonymous. We can set you up. We can You can do a guest post. We need content creators. It can't just be Ray and I because we have other goals on our plate and we need your help. If you are a content creator, if you have a podcast, if you have a vlog, uh, if, you have a, uh, if you're a writer, uh, an author, whatever it may be that fits what we're trying to do here, please get in touch. We need more content creators out there. I can't stress it enough. We are trying to build a network here. Again, not based on that fear that you hear those narratives coming out of because we're trying to change through positive action. Okay, so if you if you have an interest, please get in touch. Uh, we, we could really use your help. So this article um, is, is written by Ray Davis. He puts this out on March 1st. And I, I needed to read this yesterday because I was feeling so stressed out. And it's called, Are You Putting First Things First? 
He starts out, there's a phrase that's been around for centuries, but was popularized by the motivational business, spe- business speaker Stephen Covey. The phrase is, first things first, or put, the, put first things first. It was the third habit in Covey's best-selling book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. First things is a concept related to the Latin word principia, which we derive the word principles. Principia are those things that are first, foundational, most important. These are juxtaposed with trivialities. Those are things, if we let them, that will fill up our lives and keep us away from principles that are at the core of our being. I ask you, do you put first things first? As a culture, do we put first things first? Or are we swept along by one triviality after another that sucks the life out of our personal dreams and our species' highest aspirations? Now, Ray hits the nail on the head. Again, I'm not going to read the whole article. I encourage you. It's very motivational. I just want to read one of his last lines here. It says here, You're here on a mission, my friends. I believe it's the mission of your choosing in a realm far beyond this, the world of matter. You're here in this time and place because you want it to make a difference. You want it to have a hand in lifting humanity out of the mud of history and into the light of a new future. That spoke to me. That is exactly how I feel. And you know what? This is one of those weeks where I want to give up because it's just... (laughs) There's so much going on. There's so much going on. But you know what? What keeps going through my mind is I don't feel that I always can put first thing first. What's important to me, obviously my family, my children, and this show, and Sixth Sense Media, and what we're doing here. Because it's weird. I feel like some days... I'm living in two realities because when I'm in the podcast mode, I'm in the Sixth Sense Media mode, I'm looking at the world and I'm seeing, wow, it's not what we're told and it's not this system that I'm supporting every single day. But then when I'm in work mode, I'm dealing with rules and regulations and paying bills and and just the mundane everyday stuff that in my head I keep saying, does this really matter? Does it really matter? And tonight I didn't, I sat down, I was like, you know what, I'm so burned out. I don't want to do the show. I thought about this article. I thought about the content that I, I've been compiling all week. And the show must go on. Because this is what's first. This is what matters. I, I believe that this information is important for us to be aware of. But only if we're going to do something with it. So please check that out through Ray. I'll have the link in the show notes at serviceofchange.com. And it's obviously up at sixcentsmedia.net. Uh, another interesting article by Ray. Again, I'm not going to steal his thunder here. He has a, an amazing compilation of videos. And uh, we were talking about this online as well. Why are terrorist attacks and mass shootings so often simultaneous with drills? And, and Ray has compiled all the mass shootings, all the things that have been labeled false flags, and all of the, the data that shows, well, there were drills going on at the same time. That's really an odd coincidence. Are we being manipulated? Are we being misled? I highly encourage you to check this out and share it with everybody you know. Uh, it's well worth the read. It's at sixcentsmedia.net, uh, and I'll have that in the show notes as well. All right, I'm going to move off-site for a minute and talk about some of the news stories that I found. This first one from Gizmodo. U.S. Air Force Chief warns of space war, quote, in a matter of years, by George Dvorsky. 
speaking to an audience of active duty airmen, U.S. Air Force Chief of Staff General David L. Goldfein predicted it'll only be, quote, a matter of years before American forces find themselves fighting from space. To prepare for this grim possibility, he said the Air Force needs new tools and a new approach to training leaders. Oh, and lots of money. As reported by Breaking Defense, Goldfein made the comments this past Friday, February 23rd, while delivering a speech at an Air Force Association's 34th Annual Air Warfare Symposium and Technology Exposition in Florida. It's time for us as a service, regardless of specialty badge, to embrace space superiority with the same passion and sense of ownership as we apply to air superiority today. Again, I'll have the link so that you can read the rest of it. That's where we're going. We are going into space, and they're trying to weaponize it. They're trying to bring warfare up into space. Now, many of us are hoping to get into space for the purposes of exploration, for the purposes of peaceful things and expanding our knowledge. But right away, we have those that are saying, we need to get up there, we need to defend ourselves, and we need to prepare for war. You know, and it's the same thing that we're talking about with the schools. Instead of thinking about how can we better this and expand knowledge, well, we need to prepare for war, we need to arm teachers. It's like we just have this ingrained in our thick skulls. We don't understand. We have to, we're so afraid of taking a peaceful action instead of, and we just promote this warfare. And it's just driving me up the wall. So anyway, you can go back and read that article. All right, here we go. Hey guys, I got to apologize. Some of this stuff is kind of dark. Um, but here we go from the Daily Mail. The, the article is called, Could Robots, Could Cyber Robots Pretend to Be You? Cybersecurity experts warn that AI could mimic writing styles and habits of millions of users to launch devastating scams. Cybersecurity experts raise prospect of devastating scams using AI technology. AI could be used to impersonate individuals and spread malicious software. Potential for crime gangs to scale up operation using cutting-edge technology. Again, this AI, these bots, uh, it's bad news. I'm really, my instincts are starting to tell me to minimize my reliance on AI, on social media. What sucks about it is that's how I connect with all of you through Facebook, through SoundCloud, well, SoundCloud's not social media, but, you know, through Facebook and and through uh, Instagram, I'm pretty big on it. I know Ray is always blowing up our Twitter feeds, but we have to be careful. We, you know, we need to develop a plan moving forward. We need to develop alternate means of communication. I can't stress that enough. Uh, It's something that I'm thinking about. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet, what, uh, you know, my plan is. Ray, that's something we need to put on the uh, back burner and figure this out. One of the things I do recommend at a minimum is at least sign up for our newsletter. There's a link at sixcentsmedia.net. We haven't started rolling out the newsletter yet, but I'm telling you, I don't trust social media. I I don't trust a lot of things. The newsletter at least gives us a direct link to you if you value the information that we're putting out to you. Um, We're not looking to spam anybody or anything like that. Occasionally, we may say, hey, we have a new book coming out if you'd like to buy it. Um, But we need to develop another means of communication. I don't know if that means we need to go back to the old print material and, and send out a monthly newsletter. You know, I, I'm really starting to get concerned with this uh, technology stuff. So if that's, you know, right, maybe we should put a poll together. If that's something people would be interested in, uh, let us know. Right, we'll, we'll put a poll together on that to see where we are. But I, I think that might be something worth worth exploring, worth pursuing. All right, an interesting article coming to us from Yahoo. It's called uh, 
dormant desert life hints at possibilities on Mars. And basically what they found was that in the, uh, let's see, in the desert, uh, which desert, which desert? There's a desert which spans parts of Chile and Peru is the driest non-polar desert on Earth. It may contain the environment most like that of the Red Planet, said the report proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Uh, it's, it's called the Atacama Desert. But there's tiny bacteria. And, and basically what they can do is they can lie dormant, I think what they said here, for uh, thousands or millions of years. Let's see. Lead researcher Dirk Schultz-Makuch, uh, a professor and planetary scientist at the Technical University of Berlin and colleagues, took a trip to the desert in 2015 to learn more about what kind of life might exist there. Then, unexpectedly, it rained. Scientists detected an explosion of biological activity in the soil and quickly began using sterile spoons to scoop up samples. Genomic analysis helped identify the several apparently indigenous species of microbial life, mostly bacteria, that had somehow adapted to live in the harsh environment by lying dormant for years, then reanimating and reproducing once it rained. In the past, researchers have found dying organisms near the surface and remnants of DNA, but this is really the first time that anyone has been able to identify a persistent form of life living in the soil of the Atacam Desert. We believe these microbial communities can lie dormant for hundreds or even thousands of years in conditions very similar to what you would find on a planet like Mars and then come back to life when it rains. Scientists returned to the Atacam in 2016 and 17 for follow-up visits and discovered that the same microbial communities in the soil were gradually reverting to their dormant state. But they didn't completely die off. Single-celled organisms found mainly in the deeper layers of the desert quote, have formed active communities for millions of years and have evolved to cope with the harsh conditions. Listen, this is an article well worth your attention. Uh, we don't understand so much about life and how it works and how well it can survive. And I think the argument is quite clear as it's been growing in strength over the years that Life will exist. Life thrives, and we're going to find it in the most obscure places. Uh, and this is just an example here of that, so that gives me hope. That's a positive article right there. Right from positive back to some scary stuff, and I want to draw attention that this is an article in the Washington Post. Okay, it's, And it's called, An Alien Cyber T Attack, As If We Didn't Have Enough to Worry About. You might not remember this, but the alien invasion in the 1990s sci-fi blockbuster Independence Day began not with laser blasts, but with a cyber attack. As Jeff Goldblum's computer nerd character explained in the film, the alien fleet has hacked into Earth's satellites, hijacking their communication systems to coordinate their untimely, unsuccessful assault on humanity. To call that scenario far-fetched is an understatement, but a pair of astrophysicists say in a bizarre paper released this month that the possibility of an extraterrestrial hack one far more sophisticated than the attack in Independence Day, is worth taking seriously. How seriously to take the paper, which was published in an unconventional, non-peer-reviewed academic archive, is another matter. All right. My point is, you can read the rest of this in, in, the, in the show notes at servicechange.com and at Sixth Sense Media. They're talking about a more sophisticated alien hack and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, well, that's what we talked about last week with this AI. 
I suspect, you know, when we talked about Colonel Corso, what he was saying was that he suspected that these silicon chips that they found in the Roswell crash, what if they are the real alien intelligence behind things? I want you to remember back two or three episodes ago we were talking about that. He said, what if these are just seeding going out there because now there's a smartphone in everybody's hand, we're addicted to TV, we're addicted to our devices, and we're moving to the wearables, we're moving to the implantables. The, the silicon intelligence has gradually taken over. We have created the platform for the AI to then slip its intelligence, its consciousness into. That's kind of where I'm going with this, okay? That's the biggest hack of all times. And I want you to remember that I said that because I need to get to something that Corey Good said that I came across. He said it in the last week or two um, that I'm going to talk about. Now, speaking of AI, this comes to us from defensenews.com. Former Google exec... AI movie death scenarios one to two decades away. Rapid advances in artificial intelligence and military robotics have some concern that the development of Terminator-like killer robots will be humankind's downfall. That doesn't seem to worry Eric Schmidt, the former executive chairman of Google parent company Alphabet, who addressed the impact of technology on democracy at the February 16th to 18th Munich Security Conference. Everyone, quote, everyone immediately then wants to talk about all the movie-inspired death scenarios, and I can confidently predict that they are one to two decades away. So let's worry about them, but let's worry about them in a while, Schmidt said. For Schmidt, the benefits of AI brings to healthcare and energy outweigh concerns of an apocalyptic robot takeover. When pressed a second time about the ability of creators to stay in control of technology designed to far surpass human intelligence... He again dismissed concerns. Been watching too many movies, let me be clear. Humans will remain in charge of AI for the rest of time, he asserted. So, again, there's more to this article. He's saying that this is a possibility in 10 to 20 years, but humans are always going to remain in control. Now, if you think back to Terminator 3, that's the same thing. That was the concern. He didn't want to turn Skynet on because he said, I like humans to remain in control. But Skynet was already creating and evolving through the internet anyway. Spoiler alert, if you remember that, through the video. Now, let's take a look at what they're talking about with these sophisticated bots. Let's look at what bots are able to do right now autonomously. Yeah, they may be programmed at first. Humans already aren't in control in some of this AI that's out there. So, I just don't trust it. I don't trust it. Okay. That's the last news story I'm going to get to right now. I'm just going to go through my notes. They're kind of jumping all over the place. Um, it ties in AI, technology, spirituality, conspiracy theories, uh, some weird stuff, some fringe stuff, but it all fits. Now, maybe I'm just cherry-picking and trying to find stories that fit my narrative, but I wasn't looking for this stuff. And what really gets me is that I developed this stuff in my head. And then I start hearing other people talking about it and it validates it or things that I never thought about. So either either I'm being manipulated like so many others because of a well-seated plan to, to plant these ideas in our minds, which is possible, or, or this is really, there's really something to this. So I, I saw something through the Monroe Institute and it was called the Spiritual Directive Planning Document. I follow a, a group of, of uh, out-of-body travelers I belong to on Facebook. 
that are affiliated with the Monroe Institute. And there's a guy by the name, name of William Bowman, uh, and his website is astralinfo.org. And he gave away this free packet, uh, and he had some things in there that really caught my attention. On page four of the packet, he had a diagram. It was called The Filter of Heaven. And he had all these different realms and what each realm uh, represented. I'm going to see if I can pull it up in my email. I should have had this prepared uh, ahead of time. But he had all these different realms showing what happens or, or, or what we're existing within, basically dissecting this reality. And he said something in there that really, really caught my attention. All right, I can't find what I was looking for. He said, Millions of consensus realities exist created by the collective thought of the inhabitants. So at one of these layers of reality, he had all these little boxes, like thousands of them. And let me read that again. Millions of consensus realities exist created by the collective thoughts of the inhabitants. So it, it plays on the idea of, you know, we're conscious creators. We're creating our reality. It's, you know, almost like infinite possibilities. If we can think of it, we can create it and we can make it happen. Maybe not in this physical reality where we're quote unquote awake, but there are other realities that we have access to. Now, Bob Monroe in his final book, Ultimate Journey, what he talked exclusively about and what the Monroe Institute has since done extensive research on was that when we die, what happens to us depends on our belief system. Because what the Monroe Institute has developed is a program, and I know I've talked about this on another show, I can't remember the name of the program right now, but basically is these people who are trained to leave their bodies they go find people who just died or people who are stuck here that don't accept that they died or they don't realize that they've died and they help them to cross over. And what they report is time and again as they're traveling with these people, as they're helping them to heal and find where they need to go, these people then disappear into what's called the belief system. So, for example, if you believe when you die, you go to heaven and you see these, this clouded world with the big gates and uh, you know an angel sitting at the gates with a big book looking for your name to bring you in. If that's what you believe consciously, you create that. However, the fact that there are millions upon millions of people who share that belief system, well, that belief, that reality gets stronger and stronger and stronger. That's a consensus reality. Multiple people believe in that. So uh, it's of my opinion, based on the research that I've done, the things that I've read and the synchronicities that I've seen, that, well, heaven exists. Jesus Christ exists. Allah exists. The Buddha exists. All of these spiritual afterlives, regardless of what religion you are, they all exist because they have been created by the people, which also means that technically a form of hell exists. But when you look at it from that aspect, we are the ones creating it. Now, it's of my belief that understanding that power, we're being manipulated 
to create these things in these other realities as systems to further control us, to further distract us from whatever it is we really are or wherever we really need to go. I think it's part of this complex, it's either, in, in my opinion, and this could change with the more that I learn, this is either some form of prison or it's a very advanced, very challenging and difficult learning machine that we're within. Because these lessons are hard. They are very hard lessons that we learn. Those are the only two explanations I can think of for the suffering that we see in this world. And that's why I always challenge us. You can have your religion, but question it. If you really want to know the truth, if you really want to understand and evolve, then you need to question even the things that you hold dearly. And my biggest question was, if God is all loving, why did he create a world that's based on killing? And not just on human beings doing these horrible things. Watch nature. Watch a lion capture its prey. And, and how, although it may seem quote-unquote quick, it's still not that fast when they start eating it alive. So, and, and parasitism and all that stuff. I'm not trying to get all gross and morbid here, but we need to look at our existence, our reality as a whole, and move beyond the doctrine that we've been given. Because I think we're being used to create stuff. Okay, so Bob Monroe talks about this. Other people that have gone through, lots of people going through this training program, they talk about this, you know, these belief systems that people can get sucked into. Okay, and then there was a diagram um, on page five. And the caption underneath, underneath it, he wrote, our state of consciousness and our emotional frequency will influence the reality experienced in the afterlife. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. I talk about Lush, I talk about the heart math research and empathy, things that I experience on a daily basis. The frequency that we put out obviously has an impact on the physical world around us, the people around us. Well, that frequency appears to be even stronger in the afterlife or in the out-of-body state because you have that negative, fearful, emotional frequency. You're going to experience something negative, fearful uh, in the afterlife or on the other side or the other realm, whatever you want to call it, in the out-of-body state. And this is kind of clicking for me right now because of all the anxiety that I'm feeling. I know I need to change my current output. I'm not sure how I can do that right now. But it's it's important for us to be mindful of that. And that's why we need to find those ways to find joy and happiness. Okay, Because again, I, I ask myself, why am I doing this show? Why am I looking for this information? And this is something I struggle with. I love doing the research. I love finding it. I love sharing it with all of you out there. But what good is it if we're not doing anything with it? Let's say it's a worst case scenario and we're living on a farm and we're being manipulated for our energetic output. And let's say there's nothing we can do about it. Well, what good is it to know that if there's nothing we can do about it? So what do you do? Make the best of the life that you have. Let's say there is something we can do about it. Do something about it. Why? Because you want to make a better life. Either way, we need to find the time to do things that we enjoy, that make us happy, that share love. And if you listen to Tom Campbell, he will tell you, 
Fear is the number one inhibitor. It will hold you back. It will create these negative experiences. Love is the key to unlock that happiness. Now, it's a delicate situation, and a lot, and especially with these teachers and gun things, what I think about regularly is, you know, well, my training tells me, should I be thinking more tactically? Should I be preparing to fight and getting on this um, movement here and thinking about potential for war and, and all this crazy stuff? Should I be doing that? You know, by promoting peace, am I making myself more vulnerable? And I was thinking today, you know what? If peace wasn't a threat to that violent mindset, that fear-based way of life, if peace and love wasn't a threat, why was Gandhi killed? Why was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. killed? Why was John Lennon assassinated? They were promoting peace. As Dr. King said, hate cannot drive out hate, only love can. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can. And that's not always easy to do, to be that light in the darkness. It's scary, and we need to move past that fear and understand we're not fighting, we're changing, and there is a big difference there. And I struggle. I do struggle with it, my friends, but I'm trying, and I I hope you are as well. So that's an interesting piece, and I hope you find that uplifting and empowering you know, continue working on your meditation. Uh, Monroe Institute has has CDs and DVDs and things for download. You can go there for the training to get all this stuff. You know, we need to start improving our conscious development so we can work on changing this. Again, look at the heart math and all the stuff they have, the software they have. There are tools and exercises that we can do to strengthen ourselves there. Um, well worth our time. Well worth our time. Okay, so let's backpedal. I know I got a lot of stuff going on this week. Let's backpedal, and I want to talk for a minute about uh, last week. Just a quick recap: what I was covering was they're saying by 2045 we're going to have the technology to live forever through computer software, through uploading us to the cloud, through AI, through all this crazy stuff. They're going to be able to transplant our minds. I'm not sure how I feel about that because we don't know is is our consciousness local or non-local. I tend to think it's non-local. Or it, our higher consciousness is fragmented and taking this current incarnation. So just remember that's where we are. We're talking about being able to take consciousness or take someone else's mind and put it in a robot. That sounds crazy to you. Please go back and listen to last week's show. That's where I have all that information. You can look at the show notes uh, and the links for the sources that I pulled on that. And after the show, I would could have kicked myself because there's another key piece of information that I left out that I should have talked about. Now, if you remember back to one of the great UFO abduction researchers, Carla Turner. Now, she created quite the controversy when she was in the game because she wasn't of the mindset that these, quote, aliens are our benevolent space brothers, which was a a running theme at one point in time. And she upset a lot of people, and she, she began to discredit the New Age movement as well. Mysteriously, She came down with some weird cancer and died very suddenly. I believe a lot of what Carla Turner is saying, but when I first read, uh, you know, the last book she wrote, it was called Masquerade of Angels, and this is where she's saying, hey, this isn't a good thing, what's going on with these beings and these abductions. I read this book a few years ago, and it was a very interesting book, 
now it's screaming at me. And I'm thinking back, uh, I'm getting I'm getting all over the place here for a minute. But here's my metaphor here. I remember as a kid being raised Catholic, being told of the virgin birth and thinking, "Wow, the angel appeared to Mary and all of a sudden she's with child. How can a woman conceive a child without having sex, without intercourse?" That didn't make sense. That doesn't happen. It's got to be some kind of a miracle, right? Well, then 20, 30 years later, we have the technology for artificial insemination. So we can have a virgin give birth, and it's no big deal nowadays. We have that capability. So that changes our understanding or the, the, quote, potential for a miracle as mentioned in the Bible, because science has caught up with that miracle. So it could have been a higher technology that we just weren't aware of at the time. Okay? Now, with that being said, when I read Carla Turner's book, I'm going to read some uh, an excerpt from it. And you'll understand why in a minute. Ted's chest began heaving again, and his agitation increased. What is coming into your mind now, Barbara asked. The things he's saying, something about our creation, Ted managed to speak. Oh, he suddenly wailed in long, mournful cries of fear and anger. Barbara tried to calm him again, but he was too frightened to listen. I saw that locker door again, he cried in anguish, shaking uncontrollably. It's okay, don't be afraid now, Barbara encouraged soothingly, while Ted gripped at the couch and fought against the spasms, racking his body. I know what's in there, he whispered, trembling. I know what's in there. And that's what I don't like. There's another one of me in there. Oh, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. I want to stop. His eyes flew open, and he stared around in panic. No matter how much he wanted to block the memories, they kept coming. They put me in there and took it out, he whimpered. They changed it. There's another one of me in there. Tears streamed down his face, as sp- and the spasms gradually ebbed away. It's fine. It's okay, Barbara repeated. You let that out. You're fine now. You'll feel better now that you faced it. I wasn't produced in my mother, Ted said, crying again. I know. I saw it. There's more than one of me. Looks just like me. Did they all have your kindness and your generous spirit, Barbara asked. Did they have your kind of soul? I don't know. I don't know, Ted cried out suddenly loud and even more terrified. I want to get up. So, if you read further into this, when when Ted explores these memories a little deeper, what these creatures did, he explains that they took his consciousness out of his body. And not only did they have a bunch of clones of his body and they put him in a new body, they had this little black box. So they put his consciousness and his soul, whatever, I don't know which it was, he in the book I think they say his soul, into this black box as a temporary holding container. And then took it from the black box and put it in a new body. Now, especially when I read this, I said, that's wild. Because at the time I read this, and we're just talking, within the last five years I read this book, that wasn't a thought that we were going to be able to take our minds and our consciousness and put it on a cloud, put it in a robot, put it in a computer system. But now we've got movies about it, and we've got mainstream media and you know futurists and scientists saying, this is coming. So back then it seemed like this far out weird story. So what I'm what I'm getting at is does the revelations of this up and coming technology give credibility now to the story as told by Carla Turner through Ted? 
Does that give that? I think that it does. It's, it's, there's something going on here. These things have the ability to mess with our consciousness, our minds, our souls, and now mankind is bringing this technology online. Why? Hold that thought for a minute, but that's something I, I want us to be mindful of. And I had another point that I wanted to make. Okay, I, I think this is the point I wanted to make. A, a minute ago, it was screaming in my head. Uh, I just read an article online uh, about Barbara Streisand is, is cloning her dogs. Uh, and PETA is up in arms about it because she keeps cloning her dogs, which is the same dog, but she's saying they have slightly different personalities. So the, the cloning technology, I, I don't know how much of it is online as far as cloning, cloning humans. I'm sure that's coming if it hasn't done, been done in some deep, dark, black budget. Ah, and the other memory came to me. I'm sorry, I lost my stride for a minute. I read um, Graham Hancock's book, Supernatural, about two years ago. I highly recommend you read that book because he does a, a breakdown of basically the alien abduction story throughout history, starting with cave art going back thousands of years up through history. And he does a, a decent amount of time quoting Jacques Vallée's work with the comparison to fairy lore. And there's one particular chapter where he talks about the fairy babe. And he said, parents used to fear the fairy babe. He says, one night their baby would go missing and in its place would be another baby that was supposed to be their baby, but the parents would claim that it was, there's something wrong with it. It was more sickly. It was different. There was just somehow different. Now, based on what Carla Turner's work saying it, it, and he talks about how he suspects that their technology has been evolving over the years, but it sounds like now that I'm hearing this, these fairies were taking human babies, cloning them somehow. I don't know what they were doing with the consciousness or the mind and then putting them back, but the copies weren't as good as, good as the original. Does that make sense to what I'm saying? Go back and read that book, Supernatural. I, I'm sorry I don't have the page queued up. It just came to me as I was talking about this, but there, there's testimonial evidence. There's something happening here. And I really believe that the answer is not, as Elon Musk says, merging with AI and technology. I think that's the ultimate trap. I think the answer is getting in touch with those other levels of consciousness to get that other perspective, to get that level of communication so we can see what's really happening here. We can see the manipulation and the possible imprisonment of what's going on with, with our species, much like the human species does with most animal life on this planet. Okay, so uh, what else did I have here in my notes? All right, Corey Good. You know, I, I, I struggle sometimes to, to take him seriously because what he says is so off the wall. But I have to admit, a lot of, a lot of what he's been saying, I'm, I'm seeing it in other places now. So, is the guy credible, or is he partially credible? Well, I'm sure. I think there's at least some truth to what the man is saying, and and I'm not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the guy right now. Um, I'm not even saying the man is wrong. Uh, 
he's just he's making some pretty big claims. I guess what frustrates me about when he talks is it almost sounds like a new religion. They're talking about this shift in consciousness that's supposed to be coming. Sounds a lot like the 2012 shift in consciousness that was supposed to be coming, or maybe it did happen. Maybe it is happening. Um, But the way he talks about it is like when the shift happens, we're going to be talking with aliens and we're going to be the, and it, it just sounds cultish to me when he says that. And the way that people respond to this, they're just accepting it. Um, That doesn't mean he's wrong. There's just something about it that bothers me. And that could be my own internal biases. But he's talking about this, this shift. Uh, in consciousness, I think it has something. It, it, he called it the uh, the solar something. The sol- sun's going to have a solar burst or something that's going to through electromagnetism, which is going to have an impact on our consciousness. Um, and, and that's something that does get my attention when you're talking electromagnetism and the sun. I mean, that's science. That's stuff that my research continually leads me to. How the electromagnetism has does have an effect on our consciousness and on our behavior and on our health and on the planet and on so many other things. So. Uh, he's on point with that. Could he be making it up? Absolutely. But he talks a lot about genetic farmer races. And he he says these are, I guess, benevolent. He says what they do is they manipulate DNA. And they're responsible for some of the abductions. Um, and they try to manipulate DNA so different species and cultures can evolve. He says the problem comes from what he calls the Orion groups, which are predominantly reptilians. I know this sounds crazy, Dennis, but this is what's out there, right? Uh, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but he says these uh, reptilian groups, the Orion groups, are the ones that then come in and corrupt the work of these genetic farmers. They're the ones that create these religions and create the structured, uh, limited creati- creativity types of thinking, the doctrines that trap our mindsets that create, I guess, these false realities. Um, so he, he talked about that. And what, what jumped out at me was he, he says there's an ambassador that he's working with from, from a close star. He has these, the, they create a reality through consciousness that they can then go to as like a central meeting place. So imagine if you meditate and you find your happy place, right? Well, you, your meditation is so strong you create that happy place, and then you can invite other people into that happy place. That's basically, I think, what he's how they're meeting is what he's talking about. Um, where are we at here? He's solar flash is what he calls it. So he said on this one ambassador's planet, there were different islands and different groups of of their people, and the genetic farmers manipulated them for spiritual growth. But then this Orion group, they came in and caused conflict sounds a lot like what's going on on our planet with the creation of religions and the conflict that comes with it, right? They somehow were able to fight off this Orion group and they began to evolve on their own after they got rid of this Orion group before this solar flash happened. Now here's where what he said really resonated and struck a chord with me. He said, once this solar flash happened, it destroyed the AI signal in their solar system. He said this AI signal is being broadcast through many different galaxy, galaxies and it's a major problem. He said this signal is so old, even the oldest races don't know 
what it is, where it came from. They suspect it came from another dimension or another reality or another universe. But he also said it's a possible, the possible Luciferian energy. I, I found that to resonate with me because if you listen to the work of, of David Icke and the great research he does, talking about, he talks about the signal that projects through Saturn that is then amplified by the moon. And that signal is used to hinder our consciousness, to limit us in tapping into a lot of these, these uh, the universal internet, as I call it. And, and I have found in, before I was aware of any of this stuff, I, there's certain meditations that I would do when I'm trying to reach out and I've, I felt this oppressive force that like almost like I was put in a bubble. Uh, I'm not saying that, I can't even say that wasn't my imagination, but I have experienced some kind of block psychically when I try to when I have tried to do certain things in the past. Now, some of us are able to get past that, it sounds like, and on times I have, and I suspect, this gives more credibility to what Corey Good's saying, that there is some form of a shift that's happening in energy. I mean, the the, um, the Schumann frequency, is that what it's called? The, the Earth's frequency is changing. So I do believe that there is a shift going on that has an impact on our consciousness. Now, I also think that that's why there's this push for AI and for uploading everything to the cloud and making everything, you know, these smart meters. Because what that's doing is it's creating another counter signal that's interfering with our own signal. But those of us who are aware of this are still able to combat that. And we're still a strong enough force, I believe, to shut that AI interference down, which is why the goal is to get everybody uploaded to this cloud. Now, now this show just sounds really insane, doesn't it? But think about it. We think of an alien takeover as, again, an Independence Day style. They come, they land on the lawn of the White House and say, you know, take us to your leader. But as that Washington Post article said, even tongue-in-cheek, the alien cyber attack might be where it's at, and that alien might just be an AI, a silicon-based life form, like Colonel Corso suspected back in the 50s. And that life form may understand the creative potential of the human conscious mind, the human heart, and it has manipulated human beings through things like Hollywood and the news and media and religion and education to hinder our creative potential and to direct it. We are a machine of some sorts, a creative machine, and we have been used for whatever purpose. I'm not 100% sure yet, but I believe that our creativity has been significantly stifled. I know I'm going on and on here, my friends, but I think this is important. So I found a lot of different pieces in a lot of different places that fit. And I know I gave you a lot to think about here. Um, but I'd love your feedback on this, please. A am I off the deep end once again? Or is there something to this? I do believe we have that power to create and that we need to tap into that a little bit better, uh, a lot better than we have been and not get so sucked into our phones and our technology and social media and everything. Uh, and, and I feel the addiction. 
I really feel that I'm addicted to social media at times. And I need to scale it back. So um, get outside, talk to people, stop the texts, stop the Facebooking, and uh, let's start making those real connections again and pick up a book and read instead of uh, relying on everything online all the time. All right, friends. Uh, I think I'm going to draw to a close here. I just want to draw your attention. The Farsight put out more predictions for the month of March. They made the predictions in February. Please definitely check it out. Two things out of the four stories they they called for. Um, one of the one of the viewers saw pres- it sounded like President Trump on a major policy change that would be life changing, making many people unhappy. Now I know Trump just made some statements about gun legislation raising the age to 21. I don't know that that fits the description that they gave in the Farsight predictions. Now, I did see that he's talking about s- proposing some kind of legislation about uh, steel and aluminum production. And I see that the rest of the world is up in arms about it. So I don't know if that could be it as well, but I think they're definitely going to get a hit on that one. And he also said there's going to be an unnatural, I'm sorry, they also said there's going to be an unnatural lightning storm that kills lots of people. First they said Miami, then Seattle or Chicago. Um, it's going to be some kind of water interface. They couldn't actually pinpoint exactly where this storm is going to be, but they said it's going to be a very unnatural lightning storm. And I thought that was interesting because uh, of what suspicious observers is putting out, how everything's changing and, and all the, uh, does that give credibility to this magnetic pole shift that we talked about last week, how the magnetic field is weakening as these poles are uh, beginning to shift or continuing to shift, I should say. So check that out. I'll have the links in the show notes. Uh, I'm out of time, friends, and I'm exhausted. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please give me some feedback. And uh, if you're interested in joining the team at SixthSenseMedia.net, please get in touch with Ray or myself. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. That's all the time I have. I'm Dennis Nappy II with Sixth Sense Media. Don't forget that small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. Thank you. (laughs) 